The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. As we jump back into the Gospel of Luke, we took just one week off for the 4th of July, and I hope you had a wonderful Sunday celebration, friends, family, whatever it looked like for you. As we jump back into the Gospel of Luke, just to remind you, we are still in the Sermon on the Plains. Now, that's what commentators call Luke's version because Luke writes a much more succinct version of a very long sermon called the Sermon on the Mount that you can find in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. So Luke writes it in just a few verses, but the truth is still there. The thought is he probably gave a good sermon a second time, and Luke recorded the highlights of it. We have one of those here, but I want to remind you, two weeks ago, we talked about one of the most intensely difficult circumstances in Scripture, one of the most difficult teachings, to love your enemy. Love the person that hates you. Love the person that mistreats you. Love the person that insults you. We talked about that two weeks ago, and we saw that that is how God loves us. Even though we mistreat him and insult him, he still loves us. That's how we're supposed to love others. We saw the golden rule, just simply do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And now that's a massively difficult teaching. And today, I very seldom give the title of my sermon, but I think it's important. I think this section of the Sermon on the Plains should be titled, Play Nice with Others in God's Kingdom. How do we play nice with other people? How do we treat other people? Now, the golden rule obviously governs all of that, obviously does so. But today, Jesus is going to lay out in his sermon, in his teachings, he's going to lay out several principles that I think do tie together, but they present a very unique, unique example of how we are supposed to treat other people. So I'm going to kind of construct it. We will look at it. We will talk practically about how this plays out in our lives, but this, once again, is not an easy teaching. However, if you are someone who says, I am a child of God, I am a follower of Jesus, I am a Christian, Jesus is going to lay out, and what I believe to be very clear language, how you are supposed to engage or play with others as part of the kingdom of God. So that's what I want to do. That's where we're going to start. The very first one, and many of you will echo, amen, amen, amen. We cannot be doing this. The very first thing, do not judge others. Do not judge other people. Luke chapter 6, verse 42. Do not judge, and you will then not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. The word judge, all right, right there in the beginning of verse 42, it has three distinct meanings, which makes this very, very interesting. Three distinct meanings. It can mean, it can mean to analyze or evaluate or condemn. And I think Jesus is actually very intentionally choosing a word that has that many meanings to show us a very, very cool point. We are to analyze. 
someone's behavior. We're not supposed to be blind. We're not supposed to turn a blind eye to bad behavior. We are then to evaluate, is that normal? Is that a one-off? Whatever. So analyze, watch, evaluate, great. Make a conclusion. That's someone that I probably don't need to be around after, after analyzing and evaluating their behavior. I, I, they may not be someone I want to spend a bunch of time around, but what we cannot ever do, what we cannot ever do is condemn that, that final meaning of the word judge. So watch, pay attention. Why? Because Jesus himself in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, verses 18 through 20, says the only way you're going to know someone's heart is by looking at the fruit of their life. And so Matthew 7, 18 through 20, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. If they've got a good heart, it's going to show. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. So if there's a bunch of malfeasance, you're going to see that. It's going to show up. A bad tree can't bear good fruit. Verse 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them by their actions. So Jesus is saying, you can analyze, you can even evaluate, make, make some assessment of behavior, but you cannot condemn, and, and here's why, Romans 14.10. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. God is the only one who can judge. God is the only one who can condemn. God is the only one who can say that person is too far gone. God is the only one who can do that, and he's the only one who will. And when we overstep our bounds and start to write off people because we don't like their behavior, we don't like their thoughts, we don't like their personality, we, don't, we write them off because they don't look like us. When we start to do that, we start to take on the work of God, and God is the only one who can do that. You've heard this before. I know you have, and, and I've heard it many times. You can't judge me. You can't judge me because you don't know me. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. You've heard this, right? And that's a very profound statement, and it's a powerful statement. But here's the reality. No, you cannot condemn someone, but you can look at their actions. What they're saying is, I don't like the way you're evaluating my actions, when their actions may be terrible. Don't, don't evaluate me. I, I just am who I am. I can't help it. That is not biblical. That is not what Jesus is talking about here. He is saying, evaluate, analyze, look, but never write off. Never condemn because that is not your job. Now, what is your job? What is clearly your job? is to make sure that when you see this behavior, you address, you speak in love, and then you allow God to do his work. So do not judge or you'll be judged. Do not condemn ever and you will not be condemned. This is good news. This is very, very good news. He will go on. How, how else are we supposed to engage with other people? Well, we need to forgive. Luke chapter 6, verse 37. Forgive 
and you will be forgiven. Now, are you seeing how Jesus is teaching this lesson? If you judge, you'll be judged. If you condemn, you'll be condemned. If you forgive, positive, you'll be forgiven. This is big. Now, what I see here, what I see is that by forgiving, okay, by forgiving someone else, by affording them the same grace that God has afforded you, he will pour out his mercy on you. And that's exactly, exactly what Jesus says next. It's beautifully poetic, actually, what he says in verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Give forgiveness. Give forgiveness, and it will be given to you. With a good measure, pressed down to make sure it's appropriate, shaken together, running over, and it will be poured into your lap. It will be lavished upon you. Forgive and that measure of forgiveness will be given to you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. With how merciful you are, God will in turn then respond mercifully to you. He will measure it out exactly the grace sufficient for your need on that day, and then he's going to sprinkle just a little bit more on the top because that's what God does. And then he's going to pour it out on your lap, which is a biblical illustration of God's blessing flowing upon you. Okay, so don't picture just your lap. Just understand, it's so wonderful. It's so amazing. That is the measure upon which he will show you forgiveness. Forgive and you will be forgiven. If you pour out tons and tons of grace, you will get the perfect God-sized measure of grace for you, but then just a little bit more sprinkled on. Now, Jesus' next statement sermonically doesn't fit perfectly here. Okay, and there's some who believe maybe Luke added it in from something different. That's fine. Here's the issue. It appears in verse 39 that Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, the religious leaders. And then in verse 40, he's probably talking to his disciples. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how it works. But just reading through these verses, it seems like this struggles to fit in the flow. So I want to look at it and I want to address its truth. But I want you to understand when it comes to how we play with others in the kingdom of God, how we are to treat other people within the kingdom of God, it, when it comes to that, this doesn't quite fit. So I, I just want you to know that. But it's here, so we're not going to skip it. We're going to read it. Luke chapter 6, verses 39 and 40. He also told them this parable, this teaching. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit if they come upon one? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. So, looking at verse 39, if we assume that Jesus is referring to some religious leaders, some Pharisees, they're off on the side, he's looking at them going, hey, you don't see the truth. And your disciples, the ones who are following you, if you lead them down the path you're leading them down right now, you're both going to fall into a trap. 
you're going to fall into a trap of moralism, legalism. You're going to fall into a trap of non-truth because you, as a disciple of one of these religious leaders, are being led by someone who doesn't know the truth. But in verse 40 then, Jesus is saying, if someone knows, if, if they know the truth, and Jesus obviously does, and you follow them, then you are going to walk the path of righteousness. You are going to look like whoever you allow to teach you. And so while this doesn't perfectly fit in the sermon that, as I see it, the truth is good. Your goal, your goal is not to look like someone that's teaching you. As great as that person may be, that's not your goal. Your goal is to look like Jesus. That's my goal, is to look like Jesus. And while I have many mentors, while I have pastors that I respect and listen to, my goal is to not look like them, it's to look like Jesus. And Jesus is saying here, no student is above the teacher but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. And our goal, the goal, is to be like Jesus. That's what we want. That is the truth we need. That is the example we must follow. So while I think that was a little bit of a detour, that truth is so important. Now, the final thing that Jesus says Okay, the final thing, it'll take us a few minutes to get through this. What Jesus is going to line out as, as how we play nice with other people, he's going to say, every once in a while, you're going to have to call someone out. Every once in a while, someone is going to be in the wrong, and you're going to need to tell them that. So how do you do it? How do you call out someone? Here's what I've seen. Here's what I've seen personally. In the church in the last decade, we have forsaken this concept, the idea that you or I have the right to ever call out something in someone else. We've forsaken that because we don't feel like we have the clout to do so. We do not feel like that is socially acceptable to call someone else out. But, but, while it makes me cringe, the thought of doing so, it really does. The Bible says it is something we are called to do. We are called to look at our brother and sister and say, hey, I see this in you, and I'm concerned, not because I'm better than you, more righteous than you, but I'm concerned because this is a problem. This is something that worries me, to call someone out in love, in love, is biblical. Galatians 6, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore. Huge. Underline that in your Bible, wherever you're at. Make a note. If someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Restoration. But watch out. Watch yourself as you may be tempted. Tempted how? To think you're better than them. To think that you are also not broken. 
So be careful. This is a very delicate dance, one that must be done, and I feel like the church is failing at doing, but one that must be done correctly, and the church has failed out in the past in doing it in a horrible way. So this very, very delicate dance of in love pointing out flaws and sin in someone else so that they may be restored gently, restored to Christ likeness. Here are the beautiful, beautiful coaching tips of Jesus. And he understands that this is not going to be easy. So he does it with a little bit of comedy. Because sometimes if you get your person who's listening to your sermon to laugh a little bit, if you get them to just uh, to relax a little bit, the point can land a little bit easier. So here's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verses 41 and 42. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust, itty-bitty, in your brother's eye? That's their problem. And pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to a brother, brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when yourself, when you yourself, you fail to see the plank in your own eye? You're a hypocrite. That's what you are. First, you need to take the plank out of your own eye. You need to address what you've got going on in you. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So removing something from your brother's eye is still necessary. But don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't go to someone when you yourself are rooted in sin and start to point out things that might be going on in their life. There are four practical guidelines for calling someone out. And I know that most of you right now are just like, I'm not doing this, Todd, no matter what you say. Like, I'm not going to go up to someone that I hardly know. Well, no, if you hardly know them, don't. But this is someone you care for. This is someone that you know is trying to be more like Jesus. And what you're actually doing is merciful and good. You just have to do the work beforehand. And I think, honestly, the reason why we don't do this more is because in order to be someone who meets a person in their mess, you have to have dealt with your own mess. And we're too caught up in our own mess to worry about anyone else's. But if maybe someone today listening, if they want to step into this reality, if they want to step into this gospel work of calling people to Christ-likeness. Here, here's just a few guidelines that might help. First, you must be striving for purity yourself. Not so you can say, look at how good I am, but so that you can look at that person and go, I've been there. And here's how I found healing. Here's how I found restoration. Here's how I found forgiveness. I'm not better than you. I was right where you were. I'm just a half step further down the road. The first thing to be someone who looks at the speck in their brother or sister's eye is you must be pursuing purity for yourself. Number two, remember what God does to lead his children to repentance. He does not yell, scream, fight, kick, make a scene. No, here's what leads to repentance. 
his kindness, his tolerance, and his patience. If that is what God does for us because he is for us, and if that's where God meets us with kindness, tolerance, and patience, then that is exactly how we are to go to our brother and sister with kindness, kindness, tolerance, and patience. Just like God does, which leads to repentance. We must do that. Number three, remember the golden rule from two weeks ago. It's really on display here. If you are going to step into someone's life and say, hey, I see this, and I, it, it causes me hurt to know that you're hurting in this way, and I think if you would allow God to address this, it would radically transform your life. If you're going to do that, then remember, the way you approach them is the way you would want to be approached. If the tables were reversed, how would you want them to come to you? How would you want that to happen? The golden rule is massively in effect here. And number four, as Jesus said so clearly in verses 41 and 42, there is no place for hypocrisy here. If you are a broken vessel, and we all are, who is hiding your sin and addressing the public sin of someone else and you go to them, it will never work. It will never work. I've said in front of our church multiple times that I am a recovering legalist. And for the first 10 years of my walk with the Lord, I was so quick to judge. I was so quick, not to necessarily call someone out, but in my own mind to just say, oh, that, that person's broken, while my dark, hidden sin was never addressed. If we want to be people who look like Jesus, if we want to be a church that relishes in his grace, in his mercy, and his forgiveness, then we have to be people who are willing to call out sin, but it needs to start in our own lives so that we are not hypocrites when we look at someone else and go, I can help, I can help, and the only reason I can help is because I've been there, and there is a God who is for you that was for me and that allowed me to step into this grace. I have been forgiven. I have been shown mercy. The perfect amount of grace was poured into my lap and I want to help you find that. I don't want to call you out. I don't want to condemn you or judge you. I just want to help you find the grace necessary to walk in this biblical truth. And when we follow these lines and when we see that the process, the goal is restoration. It's not tears or condemnation. It's restoration. It's health and it's life. When we see that, when we see the place that Jesus is teaching us from, how to play well with others in the kingdom of God, when we see that, when we pay attention to what he's teaching us today, to not condemn. You can evaluate and analyze, but don't ever condemn when we see that we are to forgive those in our life that have hurt us. And I know we talked about it two weeks ago with loving our enemies and there may be someone you need to forgive and, and I, I don't want to rehash that, but when we forgive, then, then we're forgiven with that same measure. When we learn to live like the best, that's Jesus. When we look more like him, when we figure out how to be a good brother or sister, calling out sin for what it is while never being a hypocrite, meaning we've done the personal work. 
We've looked in all the deep, dark recesses of our heart, and we've laid those before the Lord. When we've done that, how beautiful a picture. How beautiful a picture of what the church could be. How beautiful a picture of what our communities need. How beautiful a picture of God being for us and us being for our community because God is for them. What a beautiful picture. A couple questions today. What do you need to acknowledge in your own life? Is is there an area in your life where you've fallen short? And the answer is yes, obviously. But before we can learn how to play well with others, we we need to do the self-work. We need to do the introspective work. And so is there an area of your life where you've fallen short that you need to lay before the Lord? Is there someone you've written off, you've condemned them, and, and you need to forgive? They're, they're just too far. Well, no, no one's too far for God, so no one's too far for you to hope that they can be restored. Maybe the person you need to forgive today, I didn't add this two weeks ago, but th- this was laid on my heart pretty heavily. Maybe the person you need to forgive today is yourself. Maybe it's you. Maybe you feel like you're unlovable, unworthy. And that's just not biblical. It's not how God looks at you. So maybe it's you that you need to forgive. Maybe it's you that you've written off. And if that message, if that's for you, then I hope you, I hope you hear it. Is there something in your own eyes or plank or speck or is there a log in your own eye that you need to address? And then only after doing that, is there someone that you can come alongside of, someone else that you can help them see Jesus so they don't have to suffer anymore with the sin that is crippling them. Once you've addressed your own eye, is there an eye that you can help see clearly Jesus? And I pray that there is because this message is powerful and is something our community and our world needs and is something that Jesus has called his church to represent. So I pray today that you would hear this message, walk through the text, hear these questions, and look at yourself and those around you and realize this is the goal. That while we're all broken, we're all sinful, Jesus has paid the price for us to be restored and renewed, made whole and like him. And that is a gift of grace that none of us, none of us should take lightly. Father, help us step into that grace today. Step into your purpose and your power, your Holy Spirit. Lord, show us where we've fallen short. Help us see those who need your message today, your grace and your mercy. Help us all look more like you. 